You know, if you ever keep your Bibles open there, if you will. But I want you to look back at chapter 18 for a second. You know, it's interesting because Luke is writing the, an orderly account of Jesus as he, as he uh, saved the world, as he went to the cross. And, and, and in, in Luke 18 and 19, he's in this moment as Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem. And I want you to notice chapter 18, verse 31, because it says, In taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Verse 32, For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And look at this, verse 34. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. And I think it's interesting to recognize how, how Jesus was constantly saying to his disciples and, and to people, look, I've come to go to the cross. I've come to, to die on the cross, and, and, I, and I'm going to rise from the dead. But it shocked them when he did it. They were like, what is going on? Uh, but, but it's interesting how Jesus was preparing them the whole time. And then you get to chapter 19, and there's that incredible story of Zacchaeus. Now, you know Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was that wee little man. A wee little man was he? Remember? He climbed up in the sycamore tree, what? Because the Lord, he wanted, you remember that song in VBS? If you went to VBS, oh my goodness, we, uh, that's, that's going to play in your head the rest of the day. You're welcome. You're welcome. But he climbed up in the tree, and, and then all of a sudden, remember that story? Jesus comes by, and he looks up in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down, because salvation has come to your house today. And, and people were blown away. They were like, Zacchaeus? He's a punk. He's not only short. He's, we don't like him. He's a crook. He's a robber. But Jesus said, no, 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 salvation has come to his house. And you've got to recognize in, in Luke 19, Jesus articulated his purpose for coming to the earth. He said in Luke 19, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Right? And, and so this is the, the, the context of this parable that we're in. And, and it's amazing to, to, to you got to recognize that. you got to catch that as we look at this parable because Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he's looking at them saying, look, I've got to prepare you for what's about to come because they didn't catch it. They didn't get the reason why Jesus came to the earth and what he was going to do and how his kingdom was going to unfold. And what's interesting is some people in the crowd that were listening with the disciples, uh, they were really following Jesus to kind of check out the next miracle that was going to happen because they thought, man, this Jesus guy, man, he's, he does some cool stuff. I want to see what he does next. And people that heard him teach were like, man, he is powerful. His teaching is powerful. People that watched these miracles, they were like, man, he does these cool tricks. Man, we got to see this guy. And some were just following Jesus to, to kind of see what was next. Um, but there were some in the crowd, the, the Jews that were expecting the Messiah, that thought Jesus was the Messiah. Here they were going, look, we're going to have a, a new kingdom. Here he is. And, and the new kingdom is going to come. It was Passover time right here. 
Now, we've got to understand that. Passover was the, the moment that the Jews celebrated their, their delivery from Egypt. And it was a perfect time. They were like, of course, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to deliver us like he did from Pharaoh. He's going to deliver us from the Romans. Oh, my goodness. Now, for Jesus, those that were just looking for a miracle, the reality is Jesus is not just some cosmic magician. He's not. Also, Jesus very clearly recognized in his life, showed us that there was a greater enemy in the world than the Romans. That, that enemy was Satan. And, and that was sin and death. That was the worst, um, that was the biggest struggle of humanity. It wasn't Romans. It wasn't this tyrant government. It was sin. It's devastating. Death is, is hopeless without Christ. And so Jesus was like, fellas, I need you to understand my kingdom. So then now look at verse 11. And they heard these things, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus had come to Christ. He proceeded to tell them a parable, tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Now, as we come to this parable, like I've said almost every, well, I've said often, I said it last week, that, that, you know, we have to be careful in our interpretation of parables. You know, some, sometimes we get super creative in breaking down every aspect of, of the parable. And, it, and it's interesting because uh, I believe that, that parables have a lot of applications but they really have one meaning. And that's why when you study the Bible, you've got to make sure you get into the context. Read what's around it. Understand what's going on in this setting. And, and, and this wasn't 2019 in America when this was written. And so we have to understand, kind of get into the context a little bit. And, and I believe that each parable has a truth that we really need to grasp. And so we have to be careful with our, our interpretation, even of Scripture. And, and sometimes uh, I have known scholars and I read people that, that they are getting so deep into the Scripture that they miss the whole point of the Scripture. You know, have you ever done that? Uh, and I've done that. I've, I've gotten tried to get so deep into it that I miss the plain things. Like Alistair Begg says that often the plain things are the main things. And so we got to make sure we don't miss the main things, which are the plain things, if that makes sense. He says it a lot cooler because he's got a Scottish accent, and I love that. But, um, but when you get into the context of this parable, you have to understand it's really cool to see how Jesus was in touch with the culture of his day. Because a lot of people that were hearing this, this parable that we just read, would go, this sounds familiar because there was a situation that had taken place in that culture uh, with Herod the Great. Herod died in 4 BC. And Herod had this son named Archelaus. And Archelaus was a punk. I mean, they, people did not like Archelaus. And Archelaus, when, when Herod died, he was given the kingdom of Judea. And so the way it worked, Archelaus, Herod's son, he went to Rome to Caesar because, hey, I want my kingdom of Judea. Well, he was so hated 
that what happened is a group of 50 Jews, they took off and they beat Archelaus to Rome to talk to Caesar. They beat him there. And they went to Caesar and said, we are pleading with you. He is, he is a jerk, and we don't like him. We don't want him to be king over us. And you know what Caesar did? Caesar was, a, was an interesting kind of governor he was, or a leader. He, was a, he understood people a little bit. He was a pretty savvy leader as far as people and, 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 you know, that's why Rome was such a powerful force. Caesar listened to him and said, okay, I'm not, I'm going to give him his inheritance, but I'm not going to make him king over, over you in Judea. So they changed their system of government. They didn't give it to Archelaus. And so it's interesting, as Jesus unfolds this parable, many people listening would go, this story kind of sounds familiar. And, you know, I think that's just an important thing to, to recognize. And now, now when, you, when you look at this parable, you, 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 have to, you have to be careful. Because it would be easy for us to say, oh, well, um, when we uh, die, we're going to rule over cities. We're going to have, I'm going to have 10 cities under me, or I'm going to have five cities. And, and so we have to be careful in our interpretation of every little detail. But let's not miss the point. The point of this parable, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying basically through this story, this familiar cultural narrative, it's a parable. It means to, so what is Jesus doing? He's casting alongside a familiar story to reveal a heavenly truth. A, a kingdom truth. And you know, the point of this parable is this. Jesus is saying, hey, everybody, I want you to understand I am the king of this world. I'm king. And here's what I'm going to do. I am, I am most definitely going to have this kingdom. This kingdom is, is mine. But I'm leaving. I'm leaving for a while. You see, you got to understand this. The, the disciples, they were expecting the kingdom to start right then. And in some ways it did, but it wasn't fully realized yet. It's the kingdom of God. When you hear the kingdom of God in Scripture, it describes a right now. Like we can interact with the Lord. Like today, the Holy Spirit is speaking. God has, is meeting us here. God is instructing us. The Holy Spirit is moving in, in this place today. And this is why you being here today is, is significant because every time we gather together, where two or more are gathered, guess what? The Lord is in his name. The, the Lord is here. That's what the scripture says. And so we come every week with this attitude of expectation. God, you have something to say to us. And it is my prayer, like Jesus said with the parables often, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. And it's my prayer that we have ears to hear today. We have eyes to see today. Because here's what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit is at work here, now, in this moment with us, among us. And so we need to pay attention to what God is saying. And so it's interesting because as this um, parable unfolds, Jesus describes the, the kingdom of God is right now, but it's also a not yet. There's going to be a day that his kingdom will be fully experienced. And what Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand is that I'm about to go away. But I'm entrusting you with something very, very important. 
And it's, the, it's this message. It's, this, it's the gospel message. And, and here's what I want you to do. It's my prayer that you share this gospel message, that you communicate this gospel message to the world. And this is the point, that, that right in front of our eyes, you're going to watch me. I'm going I'm to leave you. And I'm going to ascend into heaven. Now, they, this unfolds in the book of Acts. He ascended into heaven right before their eyes. And what did Jesus, what did the, what did the men standing there say? Hey, guys, go get to work. Hey, you got work to do. Go tell the world about me. And it's amazing because that, that happened. What, it, what Jesus is saying to his disciples, I am giving you a very, very important task. Share the gospel with the world. And folks, we're still in that moment. We are still in this day where we have been given, the disciples of Christ, God's people have been given this task to share the gospel with the world. And this is the call of believers. This is our call. And this is why Jesus said, look, Zacchaeus, I came to seek and save the lost. Now, disciples, I'm going to tell you this parable. So let's understand this. This is a parable to believers, to us. And what does he say? Look at verse 12. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave ten minas and, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. Look at verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. So it's an interesting parallel with Archelaus. It's an interesting, it's important to understand this because these people listening to Jesus could relate to this story. Now, point number one is this, and I pray we catch this day. This, like I said, this is a message to believers. We're going to process this today. But, but point number one is this. We need to live today with eternity in mind. And this is what I pray we do. I pray we are a people that are living in light of eternity. And this is, this is critical for us because, because I am finding in my life, I've heard when I was growing up, people say, oh, th those that are too, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? Don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But you know what I found? I found that, that those who are most heavenly minded do the most earthly good. And this is why I pray we recognize our call as believers is to serve the Lord. And, as we, and we are to do good on this earth. We are to walk with the Lord. And as we share the gospel, as we put our faith into practice, it moves us to obedience in our lives. It moves us to uh, faithfulness with the word of God, faithfulness with the gospel message. And I, and I think it's important we see this. Um, that true Christians, what have they done? When, when you come to Christ, what do you do? You, you, you died to yourself and you surrender to God, right? That's what happens. That's what happened when I came to Christ. When I came to Christ, it was like this moment that I realized, you know what, I'm, I need a Savior. You see, you see, all of us, prior to coming to Christ, we were Lord of our own lives. We were in charge. 
And when you really come to Christ, you recognize, God, I am not, it's not good for me to be in charge. I need you to save me. You are Lord of my life. And he's, and that's what happens when you come to Christ. You surrender to Christ and he saves you. He's Lord of your life. You die to yourself. You live for him. And that's, that's the interesting thing. But look at this. Look at verse 14. Jesus tells this story, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Let's not miss this very clear warning in Scripture. If you were here last week, we talked about the reality of hell. And Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody in Scripture. And I'll tell you, the warnings of hell reveal the grace of God. The fact that God would warn us that, that, look, life without me, rejecting me, turning away from me, that's devastating for you. And it's interesting, as, as you see this, the heart of, of humanity right here, this, this verse, verse 14, reveals the heart of humanity, which basically says, I don't want God to reign over me. You know, uh, several years ago, we had a guy in our church come to our church. His name was Frank Turek, and he's a well-known apologist who is, uh, um, he, he did a great job speaking here, and, and I went with him the next day to UCO, University of Central Oklahoma, and he was doing a Q&A with a, with a group of atheists at U, the University of Central Oklahoma, and it was just a fascinating moment to be with him as he, as he engaged in, in real thoughtful dialogue with this group of people. And, and, and there was a young lady that got up, and, and it's, it's online. You can Google it. I was, I was there in this moment. And, uh, but but uh, it's on YouTube. On, uh, you can Google Frank Turek, UCO, and you'll, you'll find it. But this young lady is asking him a question about about the gospel, about, about could Jesus rise from the dead? And he, and he was articulating just evidence for the resurrection of Christ. You know what's interesting about that? He said to this young lady, he said, young lady, uh, if I were to prove to you that Jesus really did live, he really did miracles, he really did die, and he really did rise from the grave. And then I could show you that he's the only way to heaven. Would you follow Jesus? And she looked at him and he goes, you know what? Even if I was convinced that all those things were true, I would not follow him. Now, there's all kinds of things to wrap our head around, around that statement. But can we just, just look at it for a second and just notice the struggle of humanity? Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all that we want to go our own way, that's the problem that humanity consistently um, embraces, is that we want to go our own way. 
And see, I'll tell you, I think about the moment that Christ came into my life. I wish I could, if you're, that's you today. If that's you today, if, you've, if you are here today going, you know what, I don't know, I don't want to surrender to the Lord. I wish I could just show you the joy of, of, of the life that Jesus can give you when, when you when you come to this moment of surrender to your own will. Oh, I pray that you see that. You see, when you, when you follow Christ, true Christians, what do they do? We don't work for our salvation. When I think about my salvation, I didn't earn it. Um, I definitely didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But I'll tell you what. Um, after coming to Christ, I'm finding that he continually transforms my life. He's continually teaching me the joy of surrender to his will rather than my will. And I pray you come to see who Jesus is and what he's done. And I see in Scripture that true Christians work from their salvation, not for their salvation. And I don't want anybody coming here thinking that you can somehow earn your way to heaven. You can't. And that's the gospel message. But Jesus right here in this parable is gathering his disciples. And let's keep tracking through this parable. There's 15 in the story. Jesus says, when the master returned... Look at, that, look at that. Not if, when he returned. You know Jesus is going to return someday. He told us this. These, this is one of the recurring messages, not only in the parables, but all through the Bible. But in the story, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Now, here's what I want us to see. Point number two is important, that the investment of the gospel is our entrusted business. This is our business, that when we think about our call in this place, the investment of the gospel is our call. This is the business God has called us to. This is the call of our church. The reason God started this church years ago from First Baptist Perry, and they planted First Baptist Owasso, and, and look what God has done. He has entrusted us with this business of communicating the gospel, and now I'm blown away in my mind that God has, has called us to even move into Tulsa. And I remember uh, the, the, when we were praying about adding a second campus, campus at Calvary, and I'm getting on the highway at 96th Street, and I said to the Lord, we're go I'm going to my third meeting there. I'd turned it away twice. I said, no, I can't, we can't do this. We can't do this. And I get on the highway, and I'm on 96th Street, wherever it is. It's somewhere around here. And, um, and, and I get on the, uh, I'm at the stoplight, and I said to the Lord, God, is, is, is Tulsa our responsibility? And that was a moment God said to me, what did you just say? I was like, nothing. I didn't say anything, Lord. I said, I'm going to Tulsa right now. And I'm, we're going. We're going. And, and that was, I'm, I'm blown away how God has entrusted us with this business of sharing the gospel. Now let's look at this parable. Now, now, most of you have read your Bible, a lot of you may have read your Bibles, and you're thinking, oh, this sounds familiar. This sounds like the parable of the talents. Well, let's think about the parable of the, of the talents and the parable of the, of the minas or minas or however you want to say it. Um, in Oklahoma, we can make up words like 
that's said with a hick accent. But, but, but you know, the reality is that the parable of the talents, you know what's different? Talents, in that parable, it's, it's a, they're both elements of money. Ooh, that scared me to death. I thought he's coming back. See, I told you. I told you. Um, <laughs> whew, um, but, but, you know, the, the parable of the talents, that was a parable that each, each person in that story were given different amounts. Now, talent, that was a money, element of money. It's not like just talents that you're good at stuff. But that's the point, is that we each have different gifts and abilities that we should use them differently. The unique thing about this parable, everybody's given the same gift. That's important to point out. Because the gospel, that's, that's Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. So everybody had this same gift. And, and when you think about how the gospel traveled, this is what happened. And then the, and, and the disciples got this because at Pentecost, 120 people met that day at Pentecost. And then by the end of the day, there were over 3,000 that had come to Christ. Then, then you know, after that, the, the Acts 4 tells us that, that shortly, a time, uh, just a little bit later, 5,000 had come to Christ after Jesus had risen from the dead. And then, and then later, they, they accused the disciples, all of Jerusalem knows this. Everybody knows this. And see, this is the point of the gospel spreading now look at verse 16. The first servant came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more, minas more. And he said to them, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. Don't get caught up in that. Are we going to have ten cities in eternity? That's not the point. The second came saying, Lord, your, your mina has made five minas. And he said to them, and you're over five cities. The point of this is when we honor the Lord, we, he rewards us. We, he, he, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to honor the Lord. And I'm telling you, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to be glad we served him. You're going to be glad for everything you did. You're never going to get before the Lord and go, oh, Lord, I wish I would have really tithed. I wish I would have given more. I, uh, you, I mean, excuse me. You're not going to get to the get before the Lord and say, I did plenty. You're, we're going to go, Lord, I wish we would have done more. Let me clarify that. I got a little excited there. We're going to want to say, Lord, we, we, I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have served more faithfully. And this is why I pray we, we know this is coming. So let's join together now and say, let's serve the Lord with all we got, with all we have. And, and you know, it's interesting you see the rewards of eternity. There's rewards in eternity. Verse 20. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Now, there's so many ways you could go here, but what I don't want to do is miss the main thing. The real warning here is this basic warning. You have these two servants that invested, were responsible with what they were given. They were responsible with the gospel message. And then you have one servant who wasted opportunities. And folks, 
Let me tell you something. we got to hear this. We do not want to meet the Lord. Whether, whether the eschatology unfolds of, of the coming of Christ and we hear a trumpet sound and we, and we are standing before the Lord or our, our personal eschatology takes place where we go be with Jesus. He calls us home. Folks, we're going to stand before the Lord and we will give an account for our lives. And, and I pray we, we see this message. This is a recurring message all through Scripture. Now, this is for believers. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us this. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So all through Scripture, you see the master is going to return. And guess what? The master calls us to serve him. And, and I pray we, we see this. Now, now when you think about this, this servant here, he's like, uh, the, 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 this, you kind of can read this and go, man, this master is harsh. The problem here is not in the master. The problem here is in the heart of the servant. The servant doesn't understand the master. And, and I pray that we recognize that how, what we do how we give, the way you live, it matters, and we can't miss it. And specifically, when it comes to be a, being a witness, we are all called to this task. And this is why I pray, and I promise you, I com I've committed to the Lord for the rest of my life. Every year, I will have a gospel challenge. And as long as God allows me to pastor a church, we're going to have that as an entire congregation. As long we will have a gospel challenge. You know what our gospel challenge is this year? And I want to, I want to challenge you to this. I want to, I, want to, I want to encourage you to embrace this. Who is your one that you're praying for? Who is it? Who's your one? Um, folks, Tony, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about you. Is that okay? I usually don't ask. Well, sometimes I just get it. I'm, Tony is a new friend of mine. And, and I'll tell you what, this man has inspired me. As I got to walk into his business last week, a week ago, and he's gotten saved and God has changed his life. And man, all these people around him have come to Christ. Why? Because he can't stop talking about Jesus. Can't stop talking about it. Because that's what happens when, you know, you know, he's prayed for his coworkers. I mean, Mike Henry's pushed, pushed our church to go on these mission trips to our offices. Who is your one? That's the gospel challenge. Who is it in your life that you're praying for? And let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Christ and you're not praying for somebody that doesn't know Christ, repent of that. And understand the gospel message. Understand the urgency of the day. That if someone dies without Christ, there's no hope. And we have been entrusted to share the gospel. And I am so grateful in the Wall family that there was a man that had the courage to walk up to Les Wall, who was my grandfather, who's this auto mechanic, and he led him to Christ. And he shared Jesus with him. And Les Wall got saved. And you know what? That set the course for our family. And that was generations ago. And, and, and I don't know, 
We're called to share the gospel, folks. Embrace this gospel challenge. What does that look like? Ask God for one person to lead to Christ this year. Ask God for one person. When's the last time you, you actually shared the gospel with somebody as a believer? Open your home or your life to that lost person. It's a challenge. Trust the Lord with the relationship. And I don't want us to miss verse, four, verse 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they'd gained by doing business. I do believe that when we stand before the Lord, we're going to give an account for our church. We're going to know one another in heaven, I believe. And I pray that we are faithful with the gospel during the time that we live, in the culture that we live, in the day that we live. And point number three is obvious with this parable. As we kind of wrap up, we need to bank on the return of the upcoming return of Christ. Now in this parable, we see verse 22, look at this. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words. So the heart is not the problem with the master. The heart is with the servant. He's, I'm going to condemn you with your own words. You wicked servant. Now that sounds really harsh. But let me tell you something. Let's embrace this that we could dishonor the Lord even as his children. And we shouldn't. And I pray we don't. And when I think about the call to be a church together, we must together serve the Lord and push one another to walk with the Lord. What did Jesus say? You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you put my money in the bank? Why, why did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minna from him and give it to the one who has 10 minutes. And they said, Lord, he has 10 minutes. I, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You know, it's not saying that you're going to lose your salvation. You know, you can never lose salvation. You know, um, but we don't want to stand before the Lord and look at him and say, Lord, I wasted the opportunities in front of me. That's why I'm glad the Lord moved us to be a church, to have this moment where we say, are we going to take a step of faith and move into Tulsa. We said, all right, Lord, we will. We'll follow you. And I pray that our heart with the Lord, our attitude with the Lord is as a believer is always, yes, Lord, whatever, wherever you lead, I'll go. Is that where you are right now? Wherever you lead, I'll go. And then we see, verse 27, one of the most sobering reminders. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Now, 
let's be careful with the, the interpretation here, but let's also be clear. There is a coming judgment. And this gives us urgency. Folks, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only one who had the power to conquer the grave. Salvation is found nowhere else. And he's entrusted us with that message. And so our gifts and abilities are different. But our job is the same, the multiplication of the gospel. We are to multiply the gospel message. Let's avoid wasted lives and wasted opportunities. Let's avoid it. The reality of judgment produces serious urgency in his people. And that's us. And it is my prayer, like 2 Thessalonians 3.1 says this, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. Oh, it's my prayer that the word of God speeds ahead and is honored. And, and it's, God planted us here in this place at this time and we must be faithful. That's why we avoid sin. That's why we hold one another accountable. That's why we stand on the truths of God's word. That's why we serve a community like what we're doing at the mission. That's why we are doing a fall festival on Admiral in a couple of, in a week, week and a half. That's why we are, I'm praying that we can start an Hispanic church that's why I thank the Lord that Tony and his family, which is one of the biggest families I've ever met, are coming here. This is why I pray that we start an Hispanic work in this city next year. Folks, we've got work to do. And it is as your pastor and with your accountability in my life and me embracing our pastors, embracing our calling in your lives, we will together push one another to be faithful with the gospel message. And we will be bold, brave, biblically accurate and we will live by faith. Are you doing that? We must do that.